0: Greetings this Lord's Day. In the name of Jesus, Greetings. the Lord has been good to us to give us yet another day together. Amen. Amen. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Say it with me. The Lord, is good the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. When we do Psalm 118 here in a minute as our call to worship, uh, you guys are going to watch my hand and when I do this you're going to say, for his mercy endures forever. Can you do that? It's not the one that has 85 of those. It it has four in a row, okay? So if we could do those, when you see my hand go up, when I'm saying something, I go, you're going to say, for his mercy endures forever. Today, let us be thankful for those good men and good women that God has put in our lives to lead us and to rule over us. God reminds us that he put them there in their places for you and for me and for those of you that are hyper Uh, something, and you worry that I say good men and women, remember, every mother has been made a ruler in her home. Everybody say amen. Amen. We're not just to honor our fathers, we're to honor our fathers and our Mothers. mothers. So the best thing you can do to show your appreciation for those special people in your life is to honor them, of course, obey them, but we're going to talk today about praying for them. Honor your father, honor your mother, reverence your husbands, love your wives, submit to your elders, and obey the laws of your state and your nation. These are God's wonderful gifts for us. Can we say thanks be to God? Thanks be to God. Our call to worship from Psalm 18 goes like this Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, Let the house of Aaron say, For His mercy endures forever. Let them that now fear the Lord say, For His mercy endures forever. I called upon the Lord in distress, and the Lord answered me, and He set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side, and I will not fear. Who can and what can man do to me? The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire on them that hate me. It is better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust the Lord than to put your confidence in princes. All nations compass me about, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They compass me about, yea, they compass me about, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They compass me about like bees, and they are quenched as the fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Thou hast... Thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord help me. The Lord is my strength and song and become my salvation, the voice of rejoicing and salvation in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doth valiantly. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. you ever, you ever kind of feel like saying that when you're in a bad way? Like, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live. And I'm going to declare the works of the Lord. The Lord hath chastened me sore, but he hath not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, and I will go in, and I will praise the Lord. The gate of the Lord into the righteous shall I enter. I shall praise thee, for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord which hath showed mercy and showed us light. Bind the sacrifices with cords, even to the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, and I will exalt thee. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, we are so thankful for you. Lord, for the pain that you endured on the cross, the humiliation of it, the poverty. Lord, in your richness, you became poor that we might be rich. And Lord, because you loved us, even though it, your uh, nakedness, your, uh, the way that men wagged their heads at you and accused you of sin when you were sinless, and you opened not your mouth, Lord. Lord, in all of that, As horrible as all of that was, Lord, today we give thanks for that because that made us rich. We come into Your presence today knowing that all of our sacrifices are acceptable to God because You are those sacrifices, Lord. Lord, we stand before the Father of Heaven, clean from our sins, not because we are on our own, but because You've covered them with Your blood. We pray today... Lord, that You would speak to us and change us and make us more like You, that You would feed us from heaven, and that You would make us more of what we should be and prepare us for the day when we shall enter into Your gates with thanksgiving and into Your courts with praise, that day in the consummation of all things we will rejoice, for we will see no more through a dark glass, but we will see You face to face. In Christ's name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. My text for you today is from the book of Psalms. I'm going to be preaching all of Psalm 20. My sermon today... Is called God Save the King. Everybody say, God Save the King. God Save the King. I'm only going to read to you three verses as my text, and uh, then I'll work my way through the whole psalm. So my text is Psalm 20, verses 7, 8, and 9. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, and let the King hear us when we call. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak to us today from your word. Lord, that it would be your voice that we hear, that you would speak to our hearts and our minds and our lives. And Lord, that we would hear you and take very seriously what you have to say Lord, if we need to change, let us change. If we need to do some things we're not doing, let us do them. Let us be not hearers of the word, being deceived, but let us be doers also. In Christ's name we pray, and everybody's said amen. All right, you may be seated. God saved the king. I didn't even say to say it, but it sounded like I was getting to it in a minute. Good leaders and good government is a great blessing. One of the reasons you don't know it is because you have a good leader and you have a good uh, government. A lot of times people don't know how good they have it until they get around someone who doesn't. Uh, This last few weeks I've actually been studying about the government of Myanmar and what they went through. Uh, and you talk about some horribly sad people, uh, completely oppressed by military rulers, communist dictators trying to take over, people being thrown in prison, loss of religious freedom. Could you imagine what it would be like to live in a place like that? It'd be horrible. What what we enjoy every day—the freedoms that we do to drive down any road we want. How many checkpoints did you go through on the way to church today? Everybody say none. How many rules in government tell us we can't come here today? None. How many rules do we have to protect us? Plenty. We live in a great place. No one told us we couldn't open up these doors and be in here. They didn't. They, the government's not all over us. They're not required. How many things do we report to the government every week, month, and year about what we do here, Andy? None. None. Folks, I don't think you understand. Nobody on earth, There's not, not even in England do they have this kind of freedom. We are completely and totally untouched and unregulated in our worship from God. We don't even know how good it is. We're blessed with the freedom to start businesses, to go out and earn money, to, to travel, to succeed or to fail, or to do nothing. It's amazing. We cannot even have health insurance and, and, and wreck on the side of the road. And did they stop and say, you know, we're going to not help this guy who's bleeding to death over here because he doesn't No. what well, they do. They pull you right in there. They sew you up. They fix you up. Don't they? Folks, I'm telling you, people don't live like this. People go, when people say America's the greatest place on earth, I think they're exaggerating. No, no, we're, we're really not. I've been all around the world many times. I've been to all kinds of different places. There's no place like this. We live in a place where you can come from nothing and nobody and you can rule this country and really rule the world. We come from a place where you can be as in the depths of poverty and you can work your way out of it. We live in the great land of opportunity and we should be thankful. We should give thanks to God for these great gifts but we often don't. We don't give thanks for things because we don't know they're not good. I, I've known people who've lived Really horrible marriages And you know what they make for when they get married when something when, when when they get in a good marriage after that you know What it does to them they live their lives pretty thankful? Some of you have good marriages, and you don't even know how good they are and so you're not even thankful for them You're like you know my husband. He's this and my husband. He's that well. You know what? What would it be like if you were married? like other people are married what would you what would it be like if if you were like other people. Folks you don't understand the way the rest of the world lives and as a result you're spoiled and you're unthankful and you don't even think of the people that God has given you like you should. It's true. Romans helps us with this problem and you can look at this from a a command way or you can look at it from a thankful way. Where Where did you get your leaders from? Does anybody know what the Bible says? How many of us, okay, let's back it up. How many want to be thankful for what God gives you? I do. Do you know one of the things God gives you as leaders? Corinne, God gave you your dad. He's a gift from God. He's something you should pray for and you should thank God for. Romans chapter 13 verse 1 says this, Let every soul be subject to the higher powers. You know, in King James language, it almost sounds like uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, right? the higher power, right? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about rulers and authorities, okay? Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, and the powers that be are ordained of God. So actually, this is where the King James lets us down. A lot of people hearing that are like, power and powers and higher powers, what are they talking about? Let me give you a better version. Let every person, everybody say every person, be subject to the governing authorities that they have been given. Those that are above them. For there is no authority given except it's given by God. And those that exist are set up by God. Is that one of these scriptures you think is just hard to understand when you hear it like that? That's pretty plain. Every authority given in your life, whether it's your husband, whether it is your mother, whether it is your father, whether it is your elder in your church, whether it is your presbyter in your assembly whatever it is, be subject to them because God put them there. He ordained them there for you to obey. Now, I know nobody likes this. There is no wife, if I started on a, a whole pe- a, a pulpit-pounding message on how you wives ought to obey your husbands, none of you would like it. I can't believe he's doing that today. I mean, what? Did, you know, did he tell Pastor Mark what a wretch I've been all week? I don't think we take a, this authority serious at all. Because we live in this egalitarian society and we say we believe different, we don't really live all that different in our homes. The facts, you know, I know that anyone in this church is told what to do hardly by their husband ever. But you know, your husbands can tell you what to do. You know, your mom and dad can tell you what to do. Do you know your elders can tell you what to do? Do you know they've been given authority by God to do it? Did you know that? How many of you take it seriously? Or do you just go, well, yeah, I know the Bible says that, but I'm not doing that. I think a lot of you do. Because I know you. And that's how you live. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. And the powers that be are ordained of God. Different version again. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities that are above them, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist are set up by God. You know, we call ourselves Christians, but in our homes and in our nation and in our church, we live like heathens. Wow, Mark, you were smiling a few moments ago. You were telling everyone to, to put on their happy faces. Well,. Be happy if you're going to obey God's word. But if you're not going to obey God's word, you should own it. And you should change what you're doing. You should treat your husband differently. You should treat your father or your mother differently. You should treat your elders differently. Are you you doing what God's word said? I think you can answer that question better than I can. Now it might seem a bit audacious, but it's exactly what it says. Now, now. God has called us to pray for those who rule over us, whether they be in the world or in the church. Psalm 20, though, and this is what's funny about Psalm 20 and why this subject comes up. Benita, it's a psalm written by King David, right? To pray for King David. I mean, there's some orders, Paul. Send out those marching orders. Curtis, as your Father, I command you to pray for me. In fact, I'm going to write a sermon. I'm going to write a a prayer for you. Can you imagine this, Paul? Man, Buddy, this would be some good use of your power. <laughs> Lord, help Dad. Would that be so bad? Imagine writing the prayer for your wife. Lord, I think, and handing it to, to Miss Andrea and Robinette. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for my good husband. He loves me. He cares for me. He takes such good care of me. Lord, take care of him and help me to take care of him. Imagine if I wrote that prayer for Andrea to pray. Honey, could you pray this before we go to bed tonight? And I write it out. Oh, that's just the beginning, okay? (laughs) Imagine it. But what I'm saying is that, and I'm trying to get you involved here, Psalm 20 is a prayer written by the King for the people to pray for the King. It's the actual prayer. Like, are, are you start, Are you with me? You, know? you hand this out and you give this over to, to Sarah, right? And you say, Sarah, could you pray this tonight before bed? I'd like you to lead the children. <laughs> Lord God, you've given me a great father. Lord, by your word you said he is the ordained authority in our home. Lord, your word says that I am to honor him and obey him and submit to him and by doing so I am honoring God. At this point she's probably looking up. She's not pray- her, she's praying with one eye up here. Kids are like going, "Whoa, whoa, wait a minute!" Lord, I am so thankful to have my dad. I mean, you should write a prayer like that. Have prayer. You can do it. Do you know that? You're like Tim. You can do this at your house. <laughs> Would you read it, Christina? Would you pray it? Sounds funny, but it's what's going on. David wrote a prayer for them to pray for him. How would you like to hear your children pray for you? How would you like to walk past their rooms at night? Hearing them call on God for you? How would you like to hear your wife praying for you? Do you know there's nothing wrong with asking people to pray for you and even what to pray for? It's a very good thing. Paul, one of the foundation stones, of course, of the Church of Jesus Christ, He sure did not mind asking those people that were under him to pray for him. Calling his young protege, Timothy, to pray for him in his first epistle, the man of God lays out a clear directive I had. Brother Andy, read it for us from 1 Timothy. I'll read it for you a little bit and we'll talk about it. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1-8. through Paul says this, He said, I exhort therefore that first of all, first of all, I mean, he's putting this as a priority. First of all, I want you to pray that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So all men, fine, but specifically he he nails down. So what does he say? He said, I want you to go to God in prayer four different ways they may all sound like the same thing but they're very specific supplications going to God a supplication is when you go to God for something that someone lacks Lord my husband needs patience he lacks patience Lord my husband lacks resources Lord help him get those resources you understand that's what a supplication you're asking God to give somebody something they don't have something that they need talking to God about the person I love them and they're under a lot of pressure. They're starting a new job. They've just gotten married and I want them to be happy. That's what supplications are. Intercessions. Intercessions are attempting to intervene, to get between that person and God. Do you ever see God at work in someone's lives or you're afraid that he's about to be and you're actually planning for God not to do it? Lord, I've seen how my son is rebellious and he's not doing what he should and Lord, have mercy on him. Lord, don't judge him. Or maybe you see him in the midst of that discipline from God and you're asking God, please stop it. You guys ever pray like this? That's what an intercession is. Tim has done horrible. He's done bad. Christina knows it. And Christina is going, God, forgive him. God, please take your hand of judgment off of him. Lord, that's what intercessions are. He wants us to pray that as well. Giving of thanks. Pretty straightforward, right? How many of you take time to give thanks for the people God has given you? You're there praying. You know something happens when you talk to somebody about God, Andy. When I pray for you, I pray for you, and I just start to picture you in your mind. My, you in my mind, and if I haven't done you right in some way, or I've irritated you, or I've been a bad co-elder, and you know I've broken the, our things that we come that we're supposed to be doing you know it bothers me i'm like i probably should call you i should probably make that right you know what happens when you pray for somebody i mean if you really believe god's in heaven and he's listening i mean if you're there and it's just like oh it's written down on a piece of paper let's work through a b and c so i can go you know make a smoothie uh if that's what you do well that probably isn't really affecting you. But if you really think you actually are talking to a living God about an actual person that he's given you in your life, and you start to pray for them, what you think about them and how you behave toward them is going to be altered. We often feel the need to talk to others about issues we have with those who rule over us because we have not talked to God. If Steve was here, he'd say amen about now. Who can take Steve's place today? Because I need an amen corner. I can see, looking at this, how much more difficult it would be to complain about someone who God has given you to rule over you if you were giving thanks for them. Wouldn't it kind of be hard? Lord, I just thank you so much for my dad. Lord, I thank you for my mom. Lord, I thank you for my pastor. Lord, I thank you for... Brother Andy Cusel, my good elder, I thank you for him. You were getting ready to complain about it, but now you've just been thanking God for him. It's a little hard to do that. Next he says who they are, verse 2, for kings and for all that are in authority. And we'll go over some other scriptures just in case you think that I'm expanding this a little bit too far. But he said to pray for kings and all. Everybody say all. all. Our president your pastor, your elders, your husband, your father, your mother, your employer. How different would it be in our country, our church, and our homes if we took just a little bit of time to this one thing? Think of how it could change the world and change our attitudes. Something happens toward us when we pray for others. And it's amazing to me that when he gets into this in 1 Timothy, he lays out the who, what, when, where, and why. Who do we pray for? Why do we do it? When do we do it? How do we do it? It's all answered right here. I, as a reporter, I like that. You know, I love it when, when God's Word answers every possible question, which is what He does here. He tells us who to pray for. Pray for everybody, but especially for your kings and those the people that God puts in authority. He's Why? Here's the why. That we may lead quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And I came up with a little statement, a little thing. I didn't even mean to do it. It just kind of happened. When we pray, we obey. Everybody say, when we pray, we obey. obey. Isn't that cool? Kind of neat. When we pray, we obey. When, Lord, when you pray for Luke, and you're praying for him, and you're reaching out and pleading to God, and you're saying, God, touch the man that you've given to rule me. The man that you've given to lead me. What is going to happen in you? Are you confronted with the fact that who he is in your life? You are, right? It's kind of hard to do that when you don't believe that, right? But it is what God says. And so you're pointing it out. Elizabeth, you're saying, God, help my dad. Lord, you've given my dad to me. Your your word, it's in the second command. It's in the command that we're supposed to honor our father and our mother. and, And I want to honor my dad. Help me to honor my dad. When you pray that, would it be harder to dishonor your dad? I think it would be. When you pray, you obey. Say it one more time. You pray, you obey. It's much harder to disregard someone's God-given role in your life if you're praying for them to rule you well. Are you praying that prayer? Are you asking God to help your leader to rule you well? Why? Here's another answer. Why? Why? He says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God. So many people today say, I just want to please God. you want to please God? Pray for your leaders. You want to please God? Obey your leaders. Submit to them. Pray for them. Give thanks for them. Intercede for them. You following this? For it is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Is that a good enough reason for you? It pleases God, and He wants to use this to save you. How many think that's a good enough reason? Sarah, you've been nodding back there. Is that good enough? Are you about ready to straighten up? Yeah. We all, every one of us, need to straighten up. Every one of us need to come into line with the Word of God. We need to see. We don't come to church to sit and listen to where, you know, Sarah should be back there looking up at Corinne and going, I hope she's hearing this sermon. She's such a wretch. We should be saying, the Bible says, we don't look at the the Word of God as a mirror to see our brother in it. It's to see who in it? To see us in it. And so we look in the Word of God and we should be saying, what can I do? How am I not lining up to this? So is it a good enough reason that it pleases God and God is using it to save you? I think that's a good enough reason. For there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for the ransom of all. Is that good enough reason? Yeah, I think so. He's showing where Christ, who sweat as it were, great drops of blood, who was under His Father's authority, and He said, nevertheless, not My will, but Thine be done. Christ obeyed His authority. He prayed, right? To the Father. He submitted to the Father. This is why we should pray for our authorities. Authority is a God-given thing. Without the authorities in our world that God has put here, we would live in total chaos and anarchy. Jesus prayed. He was under the authority. He's our example. Paul then reminds them... That he submits to his master, his teacher, the one who gave him his job as an apostle. So you can see he's laying this out. Jesus was under authority, and so am I. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ. I lie not. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. He's saying, God made me. God put me in this post as an apostle. I understand that this is authority given by God. Christ was, is the mediator between God and man. He's, place, he's been put in. And for that reason, we should pray for our authorities. So where do we do it? How do we do it? I will therefore that men pray everywhere. Is that to help you all? Well, I don't know if it's the right time or the right place. Everywhere. Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So where? Everybody say everywhere. When? Everybody say all the time. So how? Raising your hands to God that are not dirty with your sins, not angry prayers. This was an interesting thing as I was reading in here. You know, you can pray some angry prayers. Lord, bless my husband. In fact, I hope he stubs his toe on the way to the bathroom tonight. We're not to pray in precatory prayers towards our husband. We're not to pray in prayers against our dad. Lord, if you could have dad fall down the stairs and not get hurt too bad, I'd just like to... I'd like to see him brought down a notch or two. That's what it says. It says, pray everywhere with your hands raised without anger. Angry prayers are not the kind of prayers God wants from you. God doesn't want you praying prayers you don't think he's listening to and that he's not going to do anything about. He wants you to pray the prayers of faith. Now the point... That Paul is making by their inspiration of the Holy Spirit is not God. God wants us to obey His commands. When we do so in such a way, we demonstrate love. When you pray, you should be loving the people you're praying for. That's what, that's the point here. He's not wanting to give you another person to complain to. Oh Lord, since I've married Andy, he's such a curmudgeon, and and Lord, he just you know he just drives me crazy, and you know and. I, I used to be able to sleep really good, but now he snores, and you know, and and uh, you know, Lord, if you could just have him sleep deeper and leave me alone, I, I, Lord, you know, whatever. I mean, this is not what God wants. Okay, He's not wanting to give you another gossiping partner. He wants your prayers not to come from anger. He wants them to come out of love. He wants us to to be sacrificial in our prayers. Paul told the Ephesians some of these things, and in he says in, in um, Ephesians chapter six, starting in verse eighteen, as he's winding up his epistle to them, he says, Pray always. With all prayer and supplication of the Spirit, watching thereunto, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And he throws out, and for me, you know. So it's kind of like what David's gonna do. We're gonna get into it here in a minute. But he's saying, Pray for everybody, but could you pray for me? Because I really, really need it. Who was he in, them, in their life? He was their apostle. He was their leader. Folks, when you pray for the person that God has put to lead you, you're really doing yourself a great favor. He was among the saints, of course, but he added himself because he was the leader and he needed their prayers. He said, Pray that the utterance may be given to me that I am open my mouth boldly to be made known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds. Therefore, may I speak boldly. He, he's saying, Forgive me for asking you to pray for me. It may seem bold to you, but I'm saying, please pray for me. Don't just pray for him, the apostle said, but pray for those that all those that rule over you in the world and in the church. Here in Hebrews, we see Paul's instructions on that in Hebrews 13. We, we read this and people cringe. People don't like this. They, they, they don't like this even worse than they like the commands to obey your husbands. Hebrews 13:17, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves to them, for they watch for your souls, that they must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief that is unprofitable for you. And Paul throws in verse 18, at the beginning, pray for us. Who, who's if anybody's a leader in the church, it's Paul, right? And we believe he wrote it, or somebody wrote it, that was a leader in the church there, it was accepted by the church, that it was Paul. He says, "Pray, obey them, submit to them, and he goes, pray for us. For we trust that we have a good conscience in all things and we'll live honestly. He was one of those elders. Paul ends the letter to the Romans with these beautiful words about prayer in Romans 15. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. He's asking them to strive in prayer with Him for him he needs your prayers folks Paul is asking them to join in the fight to take the field against the enemies of God and to do it by praying for him Benita you're probably not gonna go to Myanmar with me ever you were talking about you don't you know who knows what might be there maybe you will one day but you know you can go with me every time I go that's what Paul's saying pray I wanna do what's right I'm gonna go and I'm gonna face the enemy Face on, head on. And you know what? The devil hates me. I can tell you right now. He, the devil hates Pastor Mark Robinette. I, I know he does. He tries to torment me. The Bible says that we can resist the devil. And right here, Paul is saying that you can fight with him. The enemies he fights by joining him to pray for him. I'm asking you to pray for me. How many of you pray for me? I really need your prayers. He's not exaggerating his position, he is simply stating what's true. It's what you do when you pray for those that God has placed over you. You join with them in the work that God's given them to do. I'm doing my very best to do what God has called me to do, but not to tell you how very hard it is sometimes it would just be it would be prideful, and it wouldn't be true. I love to be used of God, and I'm not afraid to fight the devil, but I bet I could do a whole lot more with a little bit of help. Verse 30, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, that my service which I have in Jerusalem may be accepted by the saints, that I may come unto you with joy, by the will of God and may be refreshed. Paul is telling them what to pray for him. He's like, I want to be refreshed. I want the church to receive me. I want this to go well. I want those people that are trying to hurt me. Would you pray that they I would be delivered from them? We hear about this again in second Thessalonians chapter 3 as he's winding this up, he says, this is in the last last chapter as well, it seemed like he wanted to tell them things, but at the end he wanted to just tell them one thing about him. I really need your help here. Finally, everybody say finally. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men do not have faith, but the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you keep you from evil. We have confidence in the Lord touching you, that you both will and do the things which we have commanded you, that the Lord directs your hearts in the love of God and the patient waiting for Christ. He's saying that one thing that I hope happens in you is that you get it in your heart, that I am part of you. Please pray for me and help me. I'm reaching the world for the gospel Paul is saying, but I can't do it without your help. Philippians chapter 1, these people that he loved, it seems, more than others. They were good to him. He said, I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer. But I say, through your prayer. Paul says that he was just talking about how he was imprisoned, how he was beaten, how he was having rough things. He says, but I know it's going to turn to my salvation through your prayer. He's not talking about salvation from hell. He's saying, I think I'm going to be okay because I know that you're praying for me. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Here in Psalm 20, David, used by God as a prophet, wrote this prayer for Israel to sing. A prayer that God would be with him in battle. A prayer that the people would obey him and follow him and trust what God was leading him to do. That's what we all must do to follow the leaders he gives us. That's how we trust the Lord. As you heard and you will hear again in this psalm, some trust in horses and others in chariots, but we must trust in the name of the Lord. You know what David was trusting? He was trusting in the prayers of his people and that God would through their prayers save him. Their trust in King David was not in the strength of his arm or the wisdom and his experience. It was in the power of God working in him. Their trust in him was trusting God who had made him king. This is what we must do and how we too must see those that God made rulers in our nation, our church, and the kingdom of God and in our homes. Here in Psalm 20, listen for the supplications, the prayers, the intercessions, and the giving of thanks in the song. To the chief musician a Psalm of David, once again, Telling you David is writing this. For who? For them to pray for him. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of God of Jacob defend thee. Picture the children of Israel praying this God, we want you to hear our king's prayers. That's what he wanted them to pray. He wanted them to pray that God, that they would pray that God would hear his prayers. You know what I would like to pray? You know what I think every day? Tim, wouldn't you love for your kids to pray that for you? Could you imagine boys praying for your dad? I don't know, where, where's Titus at? I see, I see, they're always right there. Titus, Beniah, Christian. Can you, can you imagine you boys looking and saying, hey, you know, God, hear my dad's prayers. Hear him. That's what he's saying here. Jehovah, hear David's prayers. They prayed that the God of Jacob would be David's defender. Notice they're not praying for themselves. They're praying for this for Him. Verse 2, Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen the out of Zion. King David, we pray, God sends you help from the sanctuary where God dwells. And we pray that God sends you strength from His holy mountain where His name dwells, where the Ark of the Covenant dwells. They were praying that the power that he had, that he would take into battle with him, that he would lead the nation with that it would come from God and not Himself. Verse 3, remember all thy offerings that accept thy burnt sacrifices. The people prayed that God would give David assurance that what he had prayed would be given to him. So not only do they want him to, to for his prayers to be heard by God, they want David to know that his prayers are heard by God. Isn't that kind of a neat thing? And if you ever get an assurance, you ever pray, and you're kind of like, I'm not really sure, but then God will do something. And you're like, Lord, you did. When people would come to the temple to offer sacrifice to God, it was not always in such grand fashion. There were regular, uh, more oftentimes we might compare to our daily prayers, you know. Those times when we're like, okay, Lord, help me with this day. I want to have a good day. I want to do good at work. Those are general. The the children of Israel would come to the temple with these small, regular... They would come and they would bring uh, some flour. And they would come and they would bring some wine. They would come and they would bring a turtle dove. They were looking, even in those daily prayers, for God to show them that He heard them. But they were... But he mentions this other kind. Two different kinds of offerings here. Now the thing being offered had to be owned by the person or offering something that had taken a great deal of work. To plant something, to raise it up, to then take it from grain and then grind it into flour. What did that represent? It represented time and value. Remember what we heard in David? Remember David wanted to offer the sacrifice to God and the man wanted to give it, give him the threshing floor? And he says, absolutely not. I'm not going to give God something that doesn't cost. That's why they call it a sacrifice. We, when we think of sacrifice, we think of blood. We think of dead things. Sacrifice means you're giving something that hurts to give. We don't often give that way. We give, well, you know, we're just going to give. We don't give till it hurts, but these guys literally, they would take something that took them a long time to get. How long does it take to make wine, Luke? It takes a while. Not only were they offering wine, they're offering whiskey. Wine and strong drink, they would pour out whiskey before the Lord. Now, it wasn't you know, Irish whiskey because there, there wasn't Irish whiskey, but wine and strong drink were poured out in offerings to God. God wasn't offended by those things, by the way. He accepted them because He knew it took a long time to make them. But the deal is, is that what would happen is when they would come and they would offer a wine to the Lord, they didn't just pour it out on the ground. They would take a little bit of the wine... They would take a little bit of the whiskey and they would pour that out, but the rest of it they would give to the priest to drink or they would share and they would drink it together. And this is what they did with the food and what they did with the offerings. They would take um, a lamb and they would offer it up and they would take a little tiny piece of this lamb and burn it on the altar, but the rest of it they would cook it. A lot of people don't remember this or understand this about sacrifice. It wasn't that they were totally giving it all. They actually got half of it back. If a lamb got killed, they would cut the lamb in half. They would throw it in this boiling pot. You guys remember the story of Hophni and Phineas, right? And they would throw the hook down in there, and, and whatever piece of meat stuck to the hook, the priest got to keep, and the other went back to who? It went back to the people that gave it. So even that sacrifice wasn't really that much. They, they might have lost the ham. you know. Well, they weren't doing pigs, but, but they might have lost the, the ham or the rump roast of the lamb, but they didn't have to lose the whole thing, okay? And so they lost half of it, but they got to keep it. But then there were these other kinds of sacrifices. And they were the major ones. They were for big events in people's lives. They were for like when the Ark of the Covenant killed somebody. What do they do? Now we're going to offer burnt offerings to God. And so they would take an entire cow and they would burn it. Nobody ate it. No one got any of it. It was total and complete sacrifice to the lord so anyway that's what that's what this verse it says we want you to hear in his daily prayers and we want you to hear him when he comes to you with that whole burnt offering that entire cow that just burns up and goes into smoke and nobody gets anything from this whole thing made me want to do a teaching on this for us first chronicles 21 we were we we read it earlier david built the altar on the ornans threshing floor and what happened you guys remember what happened there? He offered the burnt offering and he offered a peace offering and he called upon the Lord and he answered him from heaven with fire upon the altar. And then God stopped the angel from destroying Jerusalem. That's what happened. So they're praying that not only would he offer these things and that they would be acceptable to him but the, and, and when he would pray he would get an answer from God. Right? And he would see that his answer was going to come. When God sent fire to consume the offering on the on the threshing floor at or- of Ornan, the Jebusite, we, he knew that God was heard his prayer and that that all the destruction was going to stop. And he said, and 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 hopefully, when he sees that his prayer, that his offerings have been accepted before the Lord, it would make him to rejoice. You know, something that made me think of that was kind of exciting. You know, we don't have to wait to find out if our sacrifices are accepted. We're not going to find out that the lamb that was offered on our account wasn't without blemish. We're not going to find out that that maybe you know God isn't pleased with it. There's never a time that we come, we can boldly become before God, our sacrifice is always perfect, it's always offered perfect, and it's always acceptable to God they were having to pray you don't have to pray that for me but you could pray that my prayers are heard grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill thy counsel verse 4 he's praying give David what he's praying for you ever pray that way for your dad or your mom you ever pray that way for your husband Lord, what he's praying for, I want him to have it. Verse five: We will rejoice in thy salvation. In the name of God, we will set up our banners, and the Lord will fulfill all thy petitions. You see, they understood that when David succeeded, so did they. They would have joy. Have you guys ever seen at the end of a soccer match? Uh, I don't really watch soccer, but they do this: they grab a flag. You guys ever seen this? A big flag, and they run across the field with it. And the flag flies. That's 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 what he's talking about. You see, they, they didn't have electronic communications in their warfare. And they every, every uh, group of the children of Israel that went out to battle had these big flags. It's kind of cool. And it would say, you know, Dan. Or it would say, you know, this is this tribe or that tribe. And then there would be these sections and they had giant flags that represented three tribes each. They were huge. They had the small, they called them the little standards or these, these banners, these flags, these little ones for every tribe. But then they had big ones that represented three apiece. And this one is this flag, this banner. When you hear this, his banner over me is love. Or when you talk about setting up a banner, it's a big flag. And the flag says whatever it says. You know, It might say love on it. It may say Whatever. It may say peace. It may say victory. And these guys, when they would win, they would send their flag and they would run out the flag. And on the flag, is like, we won! We won! We defeated our enemy! And they would run out on the, on the field of battle with their flag. And what he said is here, we will rejoice in their salvation. In the name of God, we will set up our banners. You see, they weren't going to put David's name on their banner. They were going to put the name of God on theirs. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now know that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. David did not want to forget that God had given him his post as king, and so he wanted them to pray that he, so he would remember he was anointed of God. They did not want the people to forget it either. God has given you the post as father, men, in your home. He has given you the post of husband. This was God's doing and not your own. You remember this as you provide and protect God's children. Mothers are given their post for their children. Honor your mothers that God has given you. God has given you elders. We will do well to remember who is the one and only good shepherd, Brother Andy. It's not you and me. It's him. And they're his flock. People of God, honor God and build the church when we understand that God has given us leaders. We are God's anointed and we have power from God. There's no power given to us that God hasn't done so. David knew this and for many years he ran for his life rather than to touch King Saul because he was God's anointed. He understood it and this is one way we need to be more like Christ. Those people that God has put in your lives have been put there, ordained and anointed by God. We're winding down here. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord. Their prayer joins with David. You notice they go from do this for him, and now he's saying, they're saying we. We're at the we point here. We will trust in the name of the Lord. David did well to have them pray this. David wanted them to pray it. Why? Because there are special rules for kings. I was going to have that in our readings today, Luke, but I moved it because I wanted to 1 Chronicles 21. The rules were this for kings. From Deuteronomy 17, you can read it later. It says, When you come into the land which the Lord God is giving you, possess it to dwell in it. I will set a king over you like the nations that are around you. But you should not set one up that is like their kings. Your king shall be different. He will be one that God chooses from among you. Your brethren shall, and he shall be over you. He shall not horses to himself. For the Lord has said, You shall not return that way. Neither shall you multiply wives either lest the heart turn away and you shall be greatly multiplied in silver and gold. It shall be when he's on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of the law of the book from the one of the priests and the Levites. And it shall be with him and he shall read it the days of his life. You see in this if you read the rules of the king he had to write out the Bible fully himself so he'd know that he got it. Wouldn't that be a good rule for elders? You have to write out the Bible the whole Bible. That might be a better uh, thing to ask to be done than some of the things that people ask. You have to write it out. why? Because we want to know that you read it all. You, it's what the king had to do. had to write it all. But they weren't allowed to have the horses. And with the horses, what do, you put, what do you put in front of chariots? Horses. You hear what they're saying? Some trust in horses and some trust in chariots. David knew this rule for himself and he wanted them to pray that he would not trust in horses. He was tempted to do that. He was tempted to t- trust in His own power, in the number of Israel, was He not? When God smote Israel, He said, trust. We want to trust in the Lord. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand up. Verse 9, the last verse. Save, Lord. Save. God save the King. And I love that this little thing they add at the end. If, you, if, you're, if you're not paying attention to pronouns, and you're not looking carefully, you miss this. They're saying, God, save the king. And we want the king to hear us. They're praying. David wrote this in there. David wanted them to pray that he would listen to them. How many of you would like your authority to listen to you? Your husband? Your elder? Your dad? Yeah. God, save the king. Let the king hear us when we call everybody say god save the king king. it's a pretty powerful nine verses of scripture here i hope we can learn from it what we can see here david had them pray for him may we have those pray for us that god has given us that are under us may we look above to those that god has placed over us and pray for them and it's not bad at all to pray that your leaders might listen to you let us pray lord we love your word and we're thankful for it we're thankful for this journey through the psalms that causes us to it seems hit every conceivable subject from sacrifice to prayer to authority to deliverance from our enemies to the sorrows of our heart and the rest that we need from our tribulations and our worries and our difficulties lord i pray lord that you would Indeed, hear our prayers today. Lord, you would lead those who lead us, that you would speak to those who speak to us, and that we would pray for our leaders, that we would pray for our president rather than complaining about him. We would pray for our elders instead of complaining about them, that we would do the same for our mothers and our fathers and our husbands. Lord, help us, Lord, to honor you. And to follow you. Oh Lord. Thank you. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.